everybody. Welcome to Across the Bifrost, this special Thursday edition. We are excited to explore the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor with you today for this episode number two, which we've entitled Gods, Aliens, and Communism. Oh my. Yeah, we are starting our Throwback Thursday series. Here's how this is going to work. Every Thursday, hopefully every Thursday, we are going to be going through the history of Thor from his first appearance and someday in the future to his current runs in comics. Today, we are going to cover three issues of Journey into Mystery, the book that Thor began in. And I'm excited for you guys to join our journey in this series. Throwback Thursday is something I've wanted to do for a long time to go back and look at the roots of the character. And before we start, I just wanted you to know, here is what was happening in the world that these books were being written in. Journey into Mystery 83, which is Thor's first appearance, we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes, that came out in 1963. August of 1963. Here's what was happening around that time in the world. In 1963, John F. Kennedy was president. Tensions in Vietnam were rising. And that's actually something we're going to see on the episode today. That that Red Scare uh, uh, aspect of what it was to be in the world at the time. The civil rights movement was in full force, especially here in the United States. And in August of 1963, Martin Luther King had just given his I Have a Dream speech. So that's what's really happening in the world that Thor is being put into, he's being written into. Also, one little fun fact that I found uh, in 1963, in, in in August and September, around that time, zip codes became a thing. Like, I didn't even know. Like, I, I, I guess I thought they were always a thing. But yeah, zip codes were a thing. So that is the world that we are diving into today. We start off at Journey into Mystery 83. It's entitled The Stone Men from Saturn. Kind of a little uh, allusion to uh, the villains we're going to run into in this issue. This uh, issue of Journey into Mystery contains the first appearance of Thor. Don Blake, who's a character we're going to get to know uh, more and more throughout this series. And Mjolnir, the, the hammer that Thor wields uh, throughout you know his entire existence. The... Creators of this issue, uh, it was written by Stan Lee, who, uh, if you're unfamiliar with, is the father of Marvel Comics, along with uh, the famous penciler Jack Kirby. It was also uh, co-written a little bit with uh, Stan Lee's brother, Larry Lieber, uh, who had a hand in writing this issue. Also, pencilers that were included in this issue were uh, Steve Ditko, who is legendary for his run on Spider-Man and also Don Heck, who is a, um, a great penciler in his own right. Those are the men behind this issue. I wanted to read the summary that Marvel provides for this issue to, to just uh, get, get our appetites going here. It says, introducing the mighty Thor, the most exciting superhero of all time, when the stone men from Saturn invade Earth, only Dr. Donald Blake can stop them. But he stands no chance, not until he strikes a wooden stick on the ground and finds himself transformed into Thor, the god of thunder. Watch as Thor learns how to wield his hammer in battle. Only this new hero can save the Earth from being conquered. So right away, we see this this hyperbole, this these grand circumstances that Thor is going to have to overcome. But really, we need to know who Don Blake is first to understand uh, this origin story that we get. So I'm going to start at page one, and I'm just going to give you a summary of each page as we go so that you understand the, the, the breadth of the book. And then uh, I'll, I'll throw in some of my own little commentary here because uh, these beginning stories, I won't lie, are a little ridiculous. Uh, if you look back at them with a 
2021 mindset, you might think that they're just completely um, cartoonish and almost childlike, but there are some really uh, cool things we get to see when we we jump in the time machine and head all the way back to Thor's beginning. So uh, things you might not actually even know about the character. So I'm going to start at page one and we'll get through this first inaugural issue of Thor's existence, his first appearance. So on page one, we see this beautiful opening splash page of Thor. It introduces us to Don Blake. He's a, he's a crippled doctor. He, he doesn't walk well. He is a crippled doctor who is on vacation in Norway, of all places. On page two, we get right into the, the villain of this story, uh, alluded to in the title, The Stone Men, an alien race who has sent a scouting party to Earth to see how easily Earth can be conquered. They're just checking it out, seeing if, if we're easy pickings. Uh, they're showing off their different strengths and their different weapons and powers. And on page three, as they're showing off the, these powers, an old fisherman is, is, has come across them and is kind of peeking behind a rock. And he sees them uh, doing all their, their displays of strength. And he goes back to report it to the other townsfolk. And they do not believe him. They do not believe that these aliens, these stone men, have come uh, to, to take over and conquer them. But Don Blake is in the village uh, that this man is speaking in, and he, he is, I'll say suspicious, he's curious about what this old man is saying. The next day, Don Blake is hiking uh, in the hills uh, outside of the town, and he stumbles across the stone men. Just like the fishermen, he stumbles across them, and he makes himself aware to them. He, he snaps a twig, and they start to pursue him. He Now remember, he cannot walk well. He needs a, a cane to help him, and he is what the comic calls crippled, and this causes him to fall into a cave. They pursue him. He falls into this cave. And then on page four, Don Blake is stuck in the cave. He, he's stuck. He doesn't ha know uh, how to get out. He kind of has this moment of despair, but he discovers this secret passage. And he, he finds a way that he believes he can get out. He uses this old stick he finds, this old stick, to try and like, push the stone away from this wall where he thinks he can get back out. And he knocks it on, uh, he gets frustrated and he knocks the stick on a boulder. Little does he know that this stick is a magical weapon. As he hits the, the stone with the stick, it transforms him into the mighty Thor. We see the, we, we see the famous inscription that, that's on the hammer on this page. Uh, what I really like about this page specifically is there's this beautiful transformation artwork. These, these, uh, these rays of light. Uh, and you get some very iconic poses from Thor right away in this very Jack Kirby bold style. It's a very, it's a visually, uh, it's a visually, uh, really astonishing page. Uh, if I do say so myself, it, it really, it really, um, really resonated with me on page six, uh, Thor with the powers of Thor, Don Blake can easily free himself from the cave. He, he tosses the boulder away and he's able to, to get out page seven. We see Don Blake. He, he realizes that he's, he has all these powers now and he, he knows he knows a little bit about Thor from his school days, uh, which is, man, I'll be honest. If Don Blake is recalling from school days uh, things about Thor, that's like the coolest school ever. Learning like old mythology uh, is something I wish I would have done in school. I must have missed that sign up for classes. Uh, but we see Don Blake kind of understand a few of the powers of Thor. And the one rule that will come up a lot with Thor in these early issues is if he is disconnected from the hammer for longer than 60 seconds, so a minute, he reverts back to his fragile form as Don Blake, who can't walk well. And he, as he's drawn, he's kind of drawn in this feeble way. 
He's not a very imposing character at all, but Thor is the exact opposite. If he's disconnected from it for 60 seconds, he reverts back to Don Blake. Thor is kind of testing out his powers through page 7 and 8, and we we get to see this awesome uh, panel where he throws the hammer through this tree and it kind of cleaves the tree in half it's 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 really visual and dynamic in the way it's drawn in this in this moving way uh, it's it's a really cool panel actually page 9 we see Blake uh, revert back to Thor and, and he decides to use his powers against the stone men he, he, he saw them. He kind of knows that they have these powers. They could be dangerous. So he decides, you know what? I'm going to use my powers to, to protect Earth. Uh, he, he instantly has that hero moment. He turns, he turns into this courageous figure. I guess I would too if I had those powers. That would make me really, really uh, excited to go out and defend people if I felt like they were in danger. We see, we cut away from... Don Blake and Thor for a second to see NATO uh, responding to the alien alien invasion of the Stone Men. They send all these fighter planes uh, out to to combat the invasion, and the aliens have a fantastic way of scaring these fighter pilots. They do this giant projection of a freaking space dragon. It like it's one of those panels that. I just I didn't expect it. I did not think I was going to see a giant space dragon in this first issue of Thor. The pilots abandon their planes. They're afraid, and they uh, they 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 get out of dodge. When I saw this panel for the first time, I just was like, "Man, Stanley, just take my money, man. <laughs> you're you're really uh, you're really hitting on that fantastical, uh, both that outer space and then kind of fantasy vibe with this giant space dragon." NATO continues their attacks on the these alien spaceships, and they're really ineffective. They're really ineffective. Uh, this is when Thor decides to join the fight. This is all on page 10. Thor is, uh, I think, one of the things I appreciate, appreciate about these, these early episodes, uh, issues, sorry, uh, issues is Thor describes everything he does. Thor and Don Blake, they go into detail about the most mundane actions they're about to do. And it's really great campy fun. I think if you if you kind of uh, if you're able to suspend a little bit of realism and you don't take it so literally, I think you can have really great fun with like Thor walking through his motions like and now I'm going to go fight the fighter plane. Oh, I've beaten the fighter plane. Now I know now I get to go I get to go back and fight them this way. He he gets into such ridiculous detail with some of his movements. On pages 11 and 12, uh, we see the Stoneman try several attempts to subdue Thor. They try a, a cage. They try a giant robot. They try their all their weapons. Nothing works. Nothing works on Thor. They think they think they might have the upper hand on him, and they they just don't. On page thirteen, the the last page of Thor's inaugural issue. Uh, he destroys this giant robot a, that the aliens have sent at him, and when they see him display this strength against their their giant robot, they call it off. They call everything off, and they head out. Uh, they they get out of dodge uh, real quick. The NATO troops uh, that are there to respond to the aliens they wonder why they retreated so suddenly, and. The last person they suspect is this crippled doctor that is walking away from the scene, which is clearly Don Blake having transformed from Thor back to his his human, uh, his mortal form. That is the first issue of Journey of Journey into Mystery that features Thor. Journey into Mystery 83, I think for me, when I read it for the first time, it is it hits on so many different uh, aspects of Thor, but not in the way that we become accustomed to through like the movies or modern modern retellings of his origin. This is a very kind of pulpy, uh, 
pulpy in the sense of like they're, they're going for trying to cram as much in as they possibly can uh, with these books because at this point in Thor's history, this is only his first issue, they did not know the character was going to catch on. They had to fit as much excitement and energy and tension and creativity into one book. And this issue is really only 13, 14 pages. So they had to cram so much in here. And I think, given what this is, for the time that it was written, I think they were onto something here, creating a very exciting character in Thor. So that is the first issue of Journey into Mystery that features Thor. It's it's number 83. And we're going to jump right into the second issue of Thor, Journey into Mystery 84. It is entitled The Mighty Thor versus The Executioner, which I'll be honest, this issue could have just been called Thor versus Communism. <laughs> this is this issue is such a product of its time. This is one of those books where if you're unaware of what's going on in the world, which is one of the reasons why I told you up front at the beginning of the episode why what was going on in the world, you might look at this issue and be like, why? Why? Why, why was this written? Um, who was this written for? Uh, so they go into uh, some detail in the issue with the portrayal of communist villains because in American comics, it was a really easy villain to write. It was a really easy villain to write because you you really you wrote with broad strokes. Uh, well, what makes this villain bad? They're a communist. That that's all. That's all you had to write. Kind of like in the golden age of comics, all you had to write was this villain is a Nazi. That that was the only thing your reader really needed to know. So, in this issue. Journey to Mystery 84, we get the first appearance of Jane Foster. Now, for those of you that are fans of the movies, which, by the way, I'm a huge fan of the movies. I, I love I love the MCU. If you look at this issue and you think, Jane Foster, oh, like Natalie Portman's portrayal in the movies, you are going to be a little disappointed because this version of Jane Foster is, again, a product of the time. She is written in 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 a tone uh, that is not really the most fleshed out. It's very one-dimensional, and it's definitely a character that's used to serve uh, serve Thor and Don Blake as the main characters. We'll get more into that as the, the issue progresses. On this issue of Journey into Mystery, the creators, the, the writers, were Stan Lee, again... Stanley was the editor of Marvel at the time, so he had his fingers and his his hands in in everything. There's a there is a, a part of Marvel history called the Marvel Method, and it was the way in which they produced so many of these books. Stanley had his uh, hands in all of these projects, um, so you'll see his name come up a lot uh, across titles. Um, that Marvel had at the time. Also writing on this issue was Larry Lieber, Stanley's brother again. And on this issue, the great penciler, Jack Kirby. Now, again, a lot, if you're used to Marvel movies, again, awesome. You might not know the name Jack Kirby as much. You'll probably know Stanley because of his cameos and, and how he was able to really later on in his life, have this celebrity around the characters that he created and helped helped bring to light but jack kirby is a a a legend in the comics community there's some some artwork that he he has done it's just breathtaking um so really if you're looking you want to look more into comics and understanding the history of of great stories and great artists jack kirby is really where you start uh, so I would encourage you, I'm kind of going on my Jack Kirby uh, tirade now, but you really want to look into comics and understanding this time in comics, you really should go look at Jack Kirby 
Go look into some of his work that he did at this time. Again, I want to read the summary of this issue uh, so that we, again, understand where Marvel is coming from when they put out these books. So the summary for Journey into Mystery 84 says, Thor may have the strength to stand up to the deadly executioner, but does Don Blake have the courage to share his heart with the lovely nurse Jane Foster? In the tiny country of San Diablo, political leader the executioner has developed an international reputation for cruelty. Can Thor fight through an entire country's military forces to save the day? Again, this amazing hyperbole. You're really stacking the deck against Thor. And we get Thor's first hint of a love story of Jane's attraction to Thor and Don Blake's kind of Don Blake being caught in the middle of this. Um, So again, I'm going to go page by page and I'm going to tell you just kind of a brief summary of what's happening on these pages. So page one, we get a simple splash page uh, that it just shows Thor and the executioner's troops uh, from later on in the issue. It kind of just setting that visual for the issue. Page two we get this really good recap from the first issue of Thor, from Journey into Mystery 83 and Thor's first appearance. What I really like about this recap is it reestablishes a brand new character. Because again, there was no internet at the time. There was no, you know, mass, you know, uh, kind of nerd media or social media to... Uh, get the word out about this character. So what they do is they, they include a recap of the entire story. And uh, it was would have been really helpful to readers at the time, I'm sure. Page three, it's moments from a day at Don Blake's medical office. Don Blake is a doctor, a medical doctor. And this is the first time we see Jane, his trusty nurse, his sidekick uh, in the medical world. There is a romantic tension between them. Don Don and Jane have a very, I'm going to say off and on, uh, internal monologue about each other throughout these first few issues. There is, uh, in the background, there is this news bulletin, this this, uh, tension building with uh, the Communist Party in this country of San Diablo where the Communist Party has taken over and they're looking for doctors to go and volunteer to help the sick during this violent conflict. And Don Blake volunteers to go. On page four, Don and Jane are aboard a ship going to San Diablo to provide this medical care. And a squad of communist fighter planes is flying overhead. They're sent by this villain, the executioner, to basically make sure that they don't get there, make sure that they do not arrive to give help to the people that are affected by the violence. This prompts Thor into action. So Thor is, Don Blake is like, well, I got to do something. I got to do something. I can't just sit here. Um, so he, he goes off and he, he has intentions to turn into Thor, to jump into action. One thing on this page. Jane is referred to as Jane Nelson on this page. I do not know why. I have no clue because I've only ever known her as Jane Foster. So if you're listening to this and you know about why she's called Jane Nelson on this page... Send me a DM on Instagram at at the show's account. I would love to know maybe what that's all about. On page five, Thor, we see Thor quickly dispatching a bunch of fighter planes. And this is another instance where there's so much dialogue that Thor is doing. Really, it's a monologue that he's doing to give details about what he's doing. Uh, I think at one point he even says, oh, I've arrived at my at my location that I wanted to be at. And it's just him landing on one of the enemy planes. There's very little. <laughs> what I've noticed about this is there's very little nuance. It's just very straightforward facts and statements. I really 
I really, I get it for uh, maybe the time that it was written, but like, there's no way I think a comic written like this could stand now. Um, with no nuance, no subtlety, no, um, no reading between the lines. They really don't in this issue, they don't allow you any time to read between the lines. Stan Lee and Larry Lieber, they wrote it, uh, to be read a certain way. No shades of gray. Page six, you see Thor finish off the last of the planes with this whirlwind vortex uh, that he he spins the hammer so fast uh, that it creates this cone uh, of intense wind to get rid of the planes, and then he he finishes off the plane with a with a hammer strike. I will say this: I love how the action is drawn here. It's very mesmerizing and it's very bold again it's very jack kirby-esque i hope that you go and you look into this man and how he he drew very i want to use the word kinetic very very energetic very uh like pulsing action and it's just it's just a comic book but but you really feel it um, in these bold uh, depictions of Thor in action. On page seven, Thor retreats into the ocean uh, so that he can turn back into Don Blake. Because remember, no one knows that Thor and Don Blake are the same, uh, that they're the same at this time. So he's kind of got to keep his identity under wraps. The uh, floundering <laughs> Don Blake He's rescued by the passengers of the ship. Because remember, from the first issue, they established that Don cannot walk well. Um, he is. They remind you a lot that he is crippled, that he needs the cane to get around. And obviously, that would make swimming really, really hard. Jane here establishes her attraction to Thor, call, you know, saying he's so handsome and he's so brave and he's so gallant. And uh, that really is a theme that we follow with Jane for a while. The executioner uh, at the bottom of this page, the executioner, we see him for the first time here. He is confronted with the, the news that they weren't able to take out the ship like they thought where they were going to. And he has the commander, the commander who failed to blow up the ship, he has him just taken to the wall and shot. This very brutal, sadistic portrayal of of communist communist militarism in the early 60s. So one thing that you will probably not see a lot of in I would say if any in 1960s Silver Age uh, comics, uh, Silver Age is is a portion of comic time. Uh, it's how they denote different shifts in style and themes. But if you if you have time, look up the Silver Age of comics. Uh, that might give you a little bit more uh, details as to what I'm talking about there. In this 60s era, you will not see a communist character written with virtue or redeeming qualities. You you just won't. It's not the way um, they were portrayed at the time. And they definitely get that vibe with the executioner here. On page eight, Thor shows up again and he protects, he protects the doctors who have landed on the island uh, on, on, in the country of San Diablo. He protects them from snipers who are uh, positioned out in the, the hills with a giant windstorm. Again, this visual that's drawn very dynamically. Uh, and on, on, on page 9, the group of doctors, after they've escaped the snipers, they encounter an enemy tank. Now, that like, this is a di very different kind of opposition. And Thor arrives again, and he attacks the tank with a large tree. He pulls this tree out of the ground, and he, he kind of he pins the, the roots underneath this tank. And you're, you, until you flip the page, you're like, oh my gosh, what's he going to do? On page 10, Thor hurls this tank like a like a just like a ball he 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 kind of levers it and hurls it and it crashes and all the pieces are falling apart you actually see the 
But the soldiers who are inside, you see their heads poke up out of the wreckage. In the midst of this, Jane is captured by some of the surviving enemy soldiers. There's a few things that I, I really like about this page. Uh, that the, There's these exciting panels that are drawn of the tank being dismantled. Really like attention to detail stuff that um, I just appreciate it. It's drawn very, yeah, like I've been saying, it's drawn very dynamically and very energetically, um, but also very detailed, very, very detailed. Jane also, <laughs> when Jane gets captured, she has this line that is so, I don't know, <laughs> again, product of the time. Uh, she writes that when the communist soldiers have her captured, they're like, Thor, you better, you know, stay away or we'll, we'll, we'll kill her. And she very defiantly is just like, Hey Thor, defeat them all. Very like emboldened and eager. And this, again, when I read that, I kind of read this anti-communist rhetoric where, you know, Hey, you are the good guy because you're not one of them. And and they all need to be destroyed and uh, defeated. Um, and even Jane, with a with a gun to her head, is like, "Yeah, beat these you know these communists, uh, evil doers." On page eleven, there is a ton of dialogue between Don Blake and the villainous executioner. It kind of just establishes the tension. the The, the tension of ideals here is really highlighted. And Don uses his wit and he gets the stick. The executioner had taken his his walking stick to embarrass him with and try and trip him up. And Don actually uses his wit to get the stick back from the villain. It's a, a way of also just kind of showing the incompetence of villains Um Again, very little nuance, very little uh, redeeming qualities of these uh, these early villains. And on page twelve, Don Blake turns back into Thor, and he he does this ridiculous thing. Now, again, this is all all fun. Um, these beginning issues, he he uses Mjolnir to fly over to the enemy camp, and he scoops up this this tent this large white sheet tent and he covers the entire army uh, the the opposing soldiers in this in this large tent and i just keep thinking to myself it's like these are trained military like soldiers and they're just they're thwarted by camping gear it's like hooray 1960s comics like trained soldiers and they can't handle being under a sheet um after this hilarious like defeat, the Democratic Army, uh, the, the good guys on San Diablo, they arrive just as Thor is transforming back into Don Blake again to keep his identity hidden from the public. On page thirteen, Thor stops the communist retreat after they've been after they get out of the tent. <laughs> Only God knows how long that took. Um, they retreat. And he stops them with a volcano. He makes a volcano erupt. And he stops them. This this feels so random. Like, because we got windstorms and, and, and rainstorms that Thor can do. Also, hey, I can control volcanoes. That's pretty cool. Volcano here felt like a, like a little bit of overkill, I'll be honest. The in the in the scuffle and the hurry of, of of Thor fighting the soldiers, the executioner is trying to get away. He's trying to you know scoot out the back door with all of the loot and all the money that these soldiers have acquired, and they figure out that the executioner is using them, and they betray. He has betrayed them. They uh, off off panel. They uh, they execute the executioner. And uh, then that's kind of, that's the end of his story. Uh, Jane, then uh, it says a little bit later, so we're probably back in the States, probably back in their in their um, office. Jane wonders why Don just can't be more like Thor. 
that is a constant. I can't tell you how many times uh, that comes up in the first few issues. This like wanting Don Blake to be brave and adventurous and noble like Thor and, and, and handsome. And she doesn't know the entire time that Don Blake is Thor. Um, the tension between them is is very constant in these early issues. That is issue 84. Again, it is a product of its time. Uh, issue 84 is so much a product of its time. Uh, so the next and final issue that we're going to cover on this episode of Throwback Thursday is Journey into Mystery number 85. This issue is called Trapped by Loki, the God of Mischief. Now, from the title, you can probably tell that this is a very important issue. This is the first appearance of Loki, Thor's arch nemesis, his half-brother, really the thorn in Thor's side through all of his history. So this is our first look at Loki in this, uh, this comic in Thor's history. So this comic is actually uh, written by the same creative team that has worked on the previous two books. It's written by Stan Lee and Larry Lieber. And it's penciled by Jack Kirby. So one thing, one correction I need to make uh, in this, and I do apologize. I got the date wrong uh, for uh, these issues. They did not come out in 1963. They actually came out in 1962. So I do apologize for that. Um, and we'll we'll get it right going forward. So again, I want to read the summary of this issue of... Thor for you so that we kind of just get that Marvel feel going into it. It says this, Never before has the mighty Thor faced a foe as dangerous as Loki, the god of mischief. The Thor family expands with the first appearance of Asgard, Loki, and Heimdall. When Loki travels to Earth, the trickster god will stop at nothing to get revenge on his hated brother Thor including unleashing his magic on helpless mortals. So we are getting this big, grandiose uh, expansion of Thor's world in this issue. Because again, like they said in that summary, it's the first appearance of Asgard, Loki, and gods like Heimdall, and Baldur the Brave. And even we get to see a little bit of Odin in this issue as well. So we're taking Thor out of just the, the the realm of Midgard and we're actually getting aspects of Asgard that come to Earth and uh, in this really exciting um, issue of Thor that introduces his arch nemesis. So on the first opening uh, big splash page, we see Thor and Loki uh on this big billboard, uh, the billboard actually has the title of the issue on it. I just think I think that's awesome. Um, but they're 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 kind of walking this tightrope on top of the billboard, and Thor is swinging his hammer, looking very heroic, as Loki menaces before him. On the next page, we get to see the current situation that Loki is in uh, when we meet him first. Um, he is trapped inside a tree. Uh, he's been trapped there by Odin. And the only way he can be freed is if someone sheds a tear for him. This, someone shows him sympathy. And, and Loki, because he's the god of, of tricks and mischief, he finds his way around this by manipulating the tree a little bit to have a leaf fall from it. And it, it hits it hits Heimdall in the eye and this hitting hitting Heimdall in the eye with the leaf of the tree it causes Heimdall's eyes to water and um yeah he 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 finds his way around this loophole and he gets out of the tree and then he has this revelation that oh I'm gonna go to earth I'm gonna go to earth I'm gonna find Thor because he's the one that put me here we don't get details on that story at this point but something Thor did brought Loki to to be trapped in the tree 
On this page, what I really like about on page two is the first panel we get is Asgard. It's the, the city on a cloud. It's this giant golden city. And you see the rainbow bridge, the Bifrost, for which this podcast is named. You can see the Bifrost and just great, again, great Jack Kirby art. Very cosmic and very grand. On page three, we see Loki... Uh, Coming to Earth and realizing that Thor is um, Thor is here and he is doing uh, these good deeds. He's showing off for kids at a hospital, and then Loki kind of goes into his disguise as he's on Earth. He's trying to lay low so that he can find Thor. On page four, we get to see Loki's first scheme. His first scheme is turning people into negatives. He has this ability to turn people into... Uh, they're not necessarily statues. They're they're just kind of like paused. Um, it's, it's kind of odd. There's one thing you need to know about Loki's first appearance is there are a lot of powers and a lot of abilities in here that <laughs> some we see again. Others are just kind of random and put in there as plot devices. <laughs> to to move the story along in an uh, in an exciting way, we also get to see Don Blake uh, in the crowd, and he turns into Thor for the first time in this issue, and Loki is is kind of up to he's up to what Thor is doing, and he's he's playing Thor uh, so that um, he can then reveal himself and his nefarious schemes. On page five, we see. We see Thor reverse the negatives in this crazy, ridiculous way. He he spins the hammer and it emits these antimatter particles, whatever those are, and they 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 release these people from their their negative kind of paralyzation. When this is done, Loki makes himself known to Thor by saying, "You know, it's been a long time, hasn't it?" And Thor's kind of like a long time. And and then Loki uh, reveals, you know, he takes off the disguise and he says, ha ha, I'm, I'm Loki. I'm your nemesis and I'm here seeking vengeance. On page six, uh, we see the beginnings of their battle and there is uh, a lot of dialogue. Jane has a ridiculous line here um, that... Something I've never really uh, attributed to Loki. Uh, he's more nefarious and, and, and villainous than the way Jane describes him here. She says about Loki, Ah, Loki, a lovely name, and he seems so dashing and romantic. I've never really <laughs> ascribed romance to Loki, but you know, Jane is, again, Jane has written a certain way to move other people's stories forward and to... to Give us an impression of these characters, these other characters. And then Loki uh, does this magic carpet flying trick. And as Thor is pursuing him, Loki is able to hypnotize Thor and get him to do his bidding. On page seven, we see Loki use Thor as he's got him hypnotized. He uses Thor in a way where he's trying to get Thor to give up the hammer. So so he has him throw it in a lake, but the, the hammer comes right back to him. Because th- that's, that's how the hammer has to work with Thor. It, re- it returns to him, and Loki is trying to find a way around this. On the next page, on page 8, you see Loki try another trick. And this one actually works. Um, where he creates a, a clone of Thor, uh, like a... Like a like a projection of Thor, and Thor willingly gives up the hammer to this other Thor that isn't really there. It's just a projection, and the the hammer is dropped, and Thor walks away. And when uh, different people try to lift the hammer, they realize that, man, only Thor can do this, and because he's been away from the hammer for 60 seconds, Don Blake uh, is Thor is transformed back into Don Blake. Don Blake realizes, you know, what has happened and, and the mind control aspect of this spell Loki put him on is, is finished. 
And these two guys are trying to pick up the hammer, and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. Uh, yeah, I can't do this. It won't even budge. Don Blake comes across and says, oh, let me try. They make fun of him because he's a scrawny guy, and he, you know, he doesn't look you know, physically you know, strong at all. But Don Blake bends over, grabs the hammer, and on the next page, on page 9, you see him transform back into Thor. And Thor rejoins the battle with Loki. Loki gets away from Thor on this panel in such a ridiculous way, and I love it. He jumps into this flock of birds, and the flock of birds kind of just lift him away. He's not hes not flying, but the birds around him are flying, and that makes him able to get away. It's, it's, it's really funny. On the next page, on page 10... We see this standoff that they have on this uh, theater stage, and, and Loki kind of pulls a pulls a tr- pulls a trick on Thor where he gets him all wrapped up in the curtain, and Loki gets away and he's running and he's running and he's running away. Then on page eleven, we see the really kind of the strength move of the issue. We see Thor. Um, lift up these subway tracks after Loki has pushed someone onto the, tr- he's pushed a few people onto the tracks. L- Thor gets down uh, on the tracks and he lifts the tracks up so that the subway will go over him and it won't hurt anybody. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really the flex of the issue. Um, it's, it's Thor showing off his, his big time strength there. At the end of this page though, is, uh, an awesome tease for for what Loki's about to do. He flies away on a Pegasus. He just makes a Pegasus out of nowhere. That's not explained. It's not it's not really gone back to he, Loki just makes a Pegasus. And then on the next page, the next page on page 12 is one of my favorite panels of my of my reading of these Journey into Mystery issues so far. You see Loki on a Pegasus flying over the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> like, that is 1960s comics to a T. And then the way that Thor gets him off of the Pegasus... <laughs> I can't even believe I'm saying this. The way he gets Loki off of the Pegasus and out of the air is he throws this giant uh, tube, this giant construction tube on him. It, it kind of like kerplunks onto his head, and then he splashes into the water, under uh, the water below. And the Pegasus just, like, goes away. I don't even know where the Pegasus is now. Um, and apparently Loki can't swim. Loki is unable to use his powers in water. I didn't know that. That's something about Loki. We'll we'll see if that uh, that sticks around too long. Uh, maybe it was just used for this issue. But Thor saves Loki... And Loki wonders, why did you save me? And he, Thor assures him, I don't want anybody to perish, even you. On the, the last page of the issue, page 13, we see, we see Thor handle Loki in a very comical way. He carries him to the top of the Empire State Building. This is so nuts. They tie him to, they tie him to the, 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 ha- the, the strap of the handle of the hammer. And then Thor wings the, he whirls the hammer around and throws it up into the sky from the top of the Empire State Building and throws him all the way back to Asgard. They get to Asgard and, and all the gods are standing around and they're like, oh, hey, look, look, Loki's back. Uh, and then they remind they remind us the reader that the hammer must return to Thor. So the hammer flies back to New York City, and um, Thor catches it. And then we get this last panel, again a short time after, where Jane Foster is again fawning over Thor and how brave he is, and um, then compares it to Don Blake being so dull. Um. Again, uh, Don Blake and Jane have this, this constant back and forth. And um, in the next few issues, Odin actually uh, gets involved with his opinion of Thor being attracted to or being romantically involved with this mortal uh, woman from Midgard. That's something that we, we follow going forward. 
But that is Journey into Mystery 85, the first appearance of Loki, first appearance of Asgard, and it really caps off this first Throwback Thursday well because it shows us that that everything had a beginning. Everything, even though they were ridiculous and hilarious at times, everything, every great character, every great story had a beginning. I hope you enjoyed this first Throwback Thursday. I hope you learned something. I hope maybe uh, the digging into this origin episode, I hope that you were able to learn something about Thor that you didn't know before. If you did learn something about Thor uh, and you want to share about it, I would encourage you to reach out to us on social media. We have two accounts right now on social media. We are on Instagram at Across the Bifrost. We are also on Twitter at Across Bifrost. Those are how you can reach out to us. You can listen to the show, so I, I want you to know this. Uh, don't forget it. <laughs> Subscribe to it. Follow this. You can listen to our show on Spotify. Spotify is the best, easiest way to listen to the show. You can also listen to us on the Anchor app. And those are the two places right now. Uh, we're trying to work on iTunes. We'll see uh, when that gets up. I'm excited for uh, when that becomes a possibility. But thank you for joining us for this episode of the show. Uh, again, I really am. I think I'm going to really enjoy these throwback Thursday episodes. Just gives me uh, a way to engage with comics that I've never read before. If you need uh, just more information about how to read these comics and where to go to find them, uh, also reach out to us on our social media accounts. As always, guys, thank you again. We cannot wait for the next time that you jump aboard the Rainbow Bridge with us. Until then, don't forget, friends, stay worthy.